0: Good to be back, and I forgot to mention uh, Uncle Devin and Auntie Robin when I mentioned the children. You guys got to realize I, I'm going on like little sleep, Dad brain. I just called Charlie Taylor, so don't yeah. Just so uh, please forgive me if I forget who you are for a moment. Um, today we are starting a brand new series called "The End of Me." Um, I, I, I I people were kind of curious about the title of that. It's not the end of me, but. Uh, the, uh, the end of us uh, and we're going to dive into what that means um, the inspiration behind this series is uh, it, it's a, a new book by uh, Kyle Eidelman uh, he's the guy that wrote not a fan some of you guys were here when we uh, we went through that but this is called the end of me coming to the end of yourself so that you can find true and authentic life you were meant to live in Christ is kind of the tagline behind where we are going this idea and thought, It's a paradox that Scripture teaches. And the Bible is filled, the truths uh, of the the Bible are filled with paradoxes. And a paradox, if you're wondering what a paradox is, a paradox is defined as this. It's a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be true. Our, Our world is full of paradoxes like jumbo shrimp. It's true, it's the largest one of the shrimp, but it's a jumbo shrimp, right? You park in the driveway, and then you drive on the parkway. Why is that? Things that make you ponder life, right? Why are they called apartments when apartments are all together? Some of you guys are going to laugh like 10 minutes into the sermon. You're like, ah, I get it now. It takes a little bit to get like uh, click in there. But the kingdom of God... Is, is a kingdom of paradoxes. Jesus' teaching about the kingdom and being his follower were filled with paradoxical statements. The foundational truths and doctrines of our faith, being followers of Jesus, are consistently paradoxical. And to get a greater revelation of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what he has called us to, you will see that his ways aren't our ways that his kingdom is an upside down kingdom it's counterintuitive sometimes most times it doesn't make any earthly sense whatsoever and so it's counterintuitive it's countercultural if you will it goes against the grain it goes against the flow it swims upstream when logic says go with the current go with the flow. And so in this series, we are going to be exploring these paradoxes over these next weeks, unpacking scripture, opening our hearts in a greater way to Jesus and what he wants to speak. The ultimate theme again, and the the truth and the paradoxes is is that the end of me leads to the life that I was meant to live. Kind of sounds weird. It's paradoxical. The end of me is where I can find the true life that I was meant to live. I encourage you to invite someone, invite someone to come with you. Um, I I, I believe that that God has has something to say to anyone who would come because his scripture, the the, the word of God is timeless. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, wants to begin to draw people to Jesus in, 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 in new and unprecedented ways um the author's book Kyle Otteman he did a social experiment as a social media experiment and he just simply said this and he did Facebook Twitter and he said this he said complete this phrase this is all he says complete this phrase jesus became real when and he just threw it out there he said complete the phrase jesus became real when and he had hundreds of responses and there were some general responses that said this, when I no longer could pretend I was in control. That's when Jesus became real. Jesus became real when I realized I couldn't fix everything. How many fixers do we have in the room? I'm glad that you could admit it. <laughs> we try to fix, we want to be in control. If you just give me enough time and if you just listen to me, if you just, I, 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 I can be a fixer, I understand that. I can fix you. I can fix my problem. I can fix this. And we're standing there sometimes with shattered pieces. And that's what one person said. Then there were some some very specific responses. Jesus became real to me when I found out my husband was having an affair and I never felt more alone. And Jesus was there. Someone else said this. Jesus became real when I was forced out of my 30 year job and had no idea what I was going to do next. Urgent times, the unpredictable, the circumstances of life. And Jesus was there. Another person said Jesus became real when I realized I had no control over my addiction to pornography and it was ruining my marriage. And in desperation, they cried out to the Lord. One lady said this, Jesus became real when my husband was tragically killed in a car accident. Those moments, and last year we spent a whole series talking about suffering and those times in life when this life does not make any sense. You understand what I'm saying? Those moments where you feel so desperate, and again, maybe it's not that tragic, but it can be moments or circumstances in life that lead you to the point where you you don't have anywhere to turn, and and it sometimes it like David, it feels like God is a million miles away. Have you ever been there? Or am I just preaching to myself here? And your prayers, and remember when David said, "How long, O oh Lord, will you?" look the other way. In other words, David's painting this picture. He says, sometimes when I pray, it feels like that you're looking the other way and, and that you don't hear me. How long will my enemy have the upper hand? What was David saying? He was saying, God, it feels like that you're getting beat right now. It feels like that my enemy, the enemy has the upper hand. It feels like the enemy is winning. winning. But he cried out to God, yet I will trust in your unfailing love when I don't get it, when nothing makes sense, when Jesus is all I have. There's a, uh, there's a pastor in our fellowship um, several years ago was diagnosed with cancer and he went through all the treatments and uh, we were at a meeting and he came while he, and he's doing better now. He, uh, the Lord has touched him, and he's in remission, and he's he's doing really, really well now, thank God. But he came to one of our meetings, and this is a this is a big man. I mean, this is a mammoth of a man. This is a guy is a power lifter, you know, guys that pick up stuff for fun, um, heavy things. Um, so he, he's a gigantic guy, and, and when he was in the middle of all the treatments, he came to one of the meetings, one of our meetings, and it was one of those moments, and you guys have seen him, when you see somebody you haven't seen for a while, and, and it's almost like you're shocked, you know, and you're trying not to look shocked. He was so gaunt and thin, and he was, the treatments were just, you know, just horrific. And Many of you know what that's like, whether you know directly or indirectly, you've seen loved ones go through that. And he said, you know, and, and, and we were going around and people were kind of sharing what was going on in their life and, uh, and, and, and it came to him and, and he said, you know, I know the Lord did not you know, give me this, I, but, but the Lord has been using it to reveal more things about Jesus than I had ever known in my life. He said, I'm a, I'm a very strong individual, not just you know, not just power, he said, I'm very strong, I'm very independent, I'm very self-sufficient, I'm, he is a type A, like he's a type AAA. You know, there's some type, type A. He's a type AAA. It's like, go, 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 go hard, go fast. And, and he said, This has laid me out. He said, I was so weak. He said, There's nothing more humbling. And this guy's a couple of years older than me, so he's not very old. And he said, There's nothing more humbling than having your wife have to wipe your rear end. And he wasn't trying to be graphic. He just said, I was so weak that I had to have her do this. And he said, this is very humbling. This is a, he said, you know, this is a woman that I love deeply. And he said, but, you know, she's, she's, she's kind of more, you know, she's kind of a good balance for him. She's way more laid back, you know. And he, he said, you know, I should be doing for her. I should be, it's a, you, know, you know, those people that they have a hard time, you know, for, for, for people to do stuff for them. Maybe you're one of those people. Maybe the person sitting next to you is one of those people. Don't nudge them. They have a hard time receiving. And he's that type of person. He said, but it was very humbling. He said, because I was, I I, I was, I had to stare my own weakness right in the face and realize that I had great need. He said, but Jesus became so real to me. He said, because even in our strength, even in our, where we are seemingly self-reliance, we are not that strong. And he said, I was reminded how weak and how desperately I needed Christ. And that was just another story. The most resounding response that, that Kyle Eidelman got was the, it was the common theme that, that weaves through all of these. It says, and several people said this, Jesus became real when I came to the end of myself. And so this is the ultimate paradoxical revelation that Jesus wants to bring all of us to. Those folks found Jesus in a real way when everything around them seemed to be crumbling. Again, this is counterintuitive. They didn't rail against God because sometimes that's a temptation. You know, David had questions. David felt alone. David prayed honest prayers. That's why I love the Psalms because he was honest before God. God. He didn't come up with these slick religious ways to pray. He was being honest. God, where are you? Seems like you left me yet I will trust in your unfailing love. Although I can't feel it, can't touch it, can't see it right now. I know that you love me. And the counterintuitive thing when people were going through these things, they ran to Jesus and found that he was authentic in a new way. While I was gone, Bill got to share his story at Easter. Many of you were here, and I got to finally watch that. And that was his story. And I appreciate you sharing that. Because a lot of people need to hear that. That's all of our story. That's the counterintuitive thing that God wants to speak to all of us. That he came to the end of himself. And cried out to God. And God became real to him. Coming to the end of ourselves will... Give us the greatest revelation of Jesus. It can happen like some of the descriptions that we heard in those statements. Sometimes it's moments. Sometimes it's seasons. You understand? You know. Sometimes you know when the when the lady had a you know her husband died tragically. That obviously that was a moment that would lead to a season of gr- grieving and mourning and her response. But and sometimes it are it is those moments. Sometimes it is a it is a season. And I'm not talking about just coming to salvation. And this, this can be the point where we come to salvation and you know, the, the salvation and saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and we give our lives to Him for the first time. And it can be that. But don't just, as if you're a believer and you're following Jesus, don't just think that this series and this description is simply saying this is what it means to get saved. This is what it means to get a greater revelation of Jesus, is to come to the end of yourself. And this is why we, we need to continually remind ourselves, because that is the battle that we will fight every day, is to come to the end of ourselves so that we can see him in a greater way. Because sometimes we're following Jesus, and we love Jesus, and then we can start relying on ourselves, self-reliance, self-strength, self that you know, just willpower, and just muscling our way through it. And God will use moments and he will use seasons to bring us to the end of ourselves so that we can see him in a greater way. This is our battle, this is everyone's battle, this is everyone's struggle. It's that I'm tired of fighting, I'm tired of being in control. I'm, I'm just exhausted from fighting this battle, trying, trying to be strong enough and be powerful enough in myself. And I'm just tired. And I get to the end and Jesus says, you are at a great place. You are at the best place. And the reason why I know that it's everyone's struggle and everyone's battle, because you know what? Our world, our culture is filled with books and teachings out there that have some theme of advancing yourself, Right? become a better you. You deserve this. You deserve that. You're a strong man. You're a strong woman. You can do this. And the paradox of being a follower of Jesus, again, a counterculture. All of those self-help things, all the humanistic thoughts and ideas that are out there, just be a better version of yourself. The paradox of being a follower of Jesus and finding the life that you were meant to live is the death of you. It's the end of you. It's the end of me. Instead of being a better version of yourself, be a dead version of you so that Christ can live in you and you can live the life you were meant to live. It's paradoxical. It doesn't make much sense. But it's great freedom. This is the anthem of being a Christian. Dead to your flesh. Dead to your sins. Dead to yourself. Dead in Christ, yet raised to life in Christ. That we die daily, and we'll explore that. The old is gone, Paul says. And we're going to explore that. What is he saying? The old is gone. It's dead. It's buried. It's gone. And the new has come. And again, this is a daily battle. Because we know that our flesh and ourselves can rise from the dead very quickly. We're walking miracles, people. Not in a good way. Because we can be dead to our flesh. And then we can be alive to our flesh the next day. He has risen. No, he needs to... Risen. Dead. Written. It's a constant battle. This is our battle. The old trying to be resurrected again. We have to put to death our old selves every day. This is a constant surrender. Constant surrender. Daily surrender. Daily realizing our need of Christ the key passage and all this, the key paradox of this series, and we're going to look at this in a lot of different ways, but we're going to constantly come back to this passage from Luke, and you'll be familiar with it. Here's what Jesus says. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, I love his invitation, right? If any of you, this invitation's open to anyone. If any of you want to be my follower, here's what he says. You must give up your own way. You must take up your cross daily and you must follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. Here's a paradoxical statement that he makes. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. It's kind of like Jesus saying, the way not to drown is to jump in the water. Wait a second. What did you just say? The way to live is to die wait a second, what what, what are you trying to say here? We're going to unpack this. Then he says something very pointed. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost or destroyed? He said, or you lose your soul. What is it if you gain the whole world, if you gain everything that you thought that you wanted to live for, you gain everything that the earth, that, 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 that the culture and the earthly promises have for you, you gain all that wealth, power, whatever it is that you can imagine, relationships, the things that you want to perfect on this earth, a better version of you? He said, You can have all of that and lose your soul. Jesus is saying, What is your soul worth? What is it worth to you? Is there a price tag on your soul? Will you sell out? your soul for something. He said, what does it benefit if you gain the things that you think you want and yet destroy yourself, lose your soul? And why would Jesus warn us? Because evidently, you can do that. Guard your hearts. And so he puts this together. And we're, we're, we're very familiar with that first part. You know, take up your cross daily. Follow me. If you want to gain your life, lose your life for my sake. Because what does it benefit? What is it is it worth losing your soul to gain the world? So what is he saying? If you want to save your life, if you want to gain life, if you want to find true life, you need to lose it for the sake of Christ. He's saying all dead. Not just Princess Bride, mostly dead. Ha, 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 it shows how much you know. He's only mostly dead. See, because we like to only be mostly dead. Because there's always that little thing in us that tries to hang on to something, hang on to this life, and then have Miracle Max give us a pill and we're alive again, you know? And Jesus is saying, I want you completely dead. Not just mostly dead, completely dead, the complete death of you. This is our ultimate crux. How to have... Jesus and sometimes we how to have Jesus and yet hang on to a part of my life. How to give Jesus 99% control, but I get a percent. I get a little bit. And that little bit. And you, maybe I'm just preaching to to myself here, but maybe that little bit Jesus will continually try to pry your fingers off of that. One level of control. If I could just control this area of my life, because we all know if you start doing 1% becomes 5, becomes 10, and next thing you know, you're running your life again. I want Jesus, but I want to hang on to this. I want Jesus, but I want to hold on to some bit of control. I want to continue with the rights to myself justifying my control my way of doing things my self-reliance again it can be maybe one area but that will be your greatest battle that you have to continually put that to death and you you know what it is for you and it's you maybe maybe other people share that but there's unique this unique battle for each of us in that area of control and it can be it can be lustful things it can be it can be Again, power, control, can be work, it can be money, it can be um, many different things that you're saying, I I just, I'll I'll control that. And this verse, again, well known, but please don't lose its significance and power. Jesus is speaking to the crowds and he's speaking to us on what it means to be a a follower, his follower. And if you're taking notes, what, what I want you to do I want you to, and even if you're not, I want you to, as we go through these, I, m- I want you to hear what Jesus is saying. If anyone wants to be my follower, and I want you as, as an action step or steps, and what, what is it that Jesus is trying to say to me? And so we need to boil this down very specifically. And what are the things that Jesus is speaking to your heart today? Things that you can pray through, things that you can talk to him about because he wants relationship with us. The things that he wants to pinpoint and say, talk to me about this. But here's what he says. He says four things about being, if any oh, any wants to be my follower, it's supposed to be you, if any of you want to be my follower, if any wants to be, oh, it's, been, it's been a long few weeks, folks. I love the invitation to all of us. He speaks out through the crowd. You know, there were certain things that he would teach his disciples and he was certain things that he would teach the religious. And then sometimes he would just speak out to the crowd. He says, if any of you want to be my follower. And so the first thing is that he has an invitation to all of us. He's inviting us to be his follower. If any of you want to be my follower. Do you want to be his follower? Do you want to follow Jesus? Jesus. Do you want him to be Lord and Savior of your life? So the first thing he says is an invitation to all of us. But then he begins to boil this down. The second thing he says is this. You must give up your own way. Constant battle, constant struggle. But I want my own way. I want to follow Jesus and I want my own way. It, 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 they don't coexist. They can't coexist. That's why Jesus says, take up your cross. The next thing he says, take up your cross. Because they can't coexist to try to have your own way and the way of Jesus. And so if you're constantly trying to have your own way, you're not following him. And this is why people it leads people to frustration. I've lived this life. I understand this life. I've been there. But it's a constant source of frustration because we want our own way and Jesus says it can't coexist. You have to give up your own way. Die to the rights of yourself. Put away your selfish ambition. You have to go counterculture. You have to go counterintuitive. You have to lay down your self-reliance and your control if you want to follow him. Remember the invitation is to all of us. But he starts narrowing. That's why in John 6, remember when he said, if you want to be, you want to be my follower, you, you have to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Again, he wasn't being gross or weird. He was saying, you have to be consumed with me. And it says, many of his followers walked away from him. It's too hard for us. What was he saying? You have to give up the rights to yourself. And they go, no, we can't do that. And they walk the other way. But he invited them to. He even turned to his disciples and said, Are you guys going to leave too? I'm not going to make this easy. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it for you. I'm calling you to something that will be the greatest source of life for you. And Peter says this He says, Lord, where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We're, we're, we're with you. We may not get it, but we're with you. And then three, he says, Take up your cross daily, die to yourself, die to your ways. Don't just not tolerate it. Let it die. Jesus was the ultimate model to this. You know, he doesn't call us to anything that he himself wouldn't do. He took up his cross. He died for our sins. He died for our shame. He died for our guilt. He died for our condemnation so that we wouldn't have to. That's the good news of the gospel. He bore our sorrows so that we wouldn't have to. When I think about what Jesus did, it it just and you understand that he did it out of great love for us. To me, it just makes no sense that, no, that people wouldn't want to follow him. I love you deeply. I don't want you to pay for your sins. Nah, I can't sign up for that. I'd like to pay for my own sins. Thank you very much. He deeply loves us, and he went to the cross. What is our cross? Our cross isn't trying to pay for our sins. When Jesus says, take up your cross, he's already paid for those sins. It's not trying to pay for our own sins, but it's a a bold declaration of saying no to myself. No to being my own God. No to being in control every day and saying yes to him. I will follow you. I will say no to myself. Again, this will be a daily thing. His model, take up the cross, die and be raised again. When we take up our cross, we will die, but yet we will find the greatest life possible. I don't know too many people that get to the end of their lives and they follow Jesus and they say, you know, I just regret following Jesus my whole life. I wish I wouldn't have done that. It doesn't happen. There's a lot of people that have the other regret. I wish I would have followed Jesus my whole life. But I don't know too many people that have the opposite story. Jesus said, if you die with me, oh, you will live. It will be the greatest freedom. It will be the greatest victorious life that you can understand and then fourthly he says follow me. This is what he's saying. I'm leading, not you. If you want to be my follower, if anyone. There's remember to the crowd. But guess what? You're not leading, I am. That's what Jesus is saying. If you start leading, in other words, I, you're not my follower anymore. You can't you can't follow me for a time and then and then all of a sudden want to lead. This is again that daily struggle for control. Daily struggle for surrender of our lives. Follow. Follow. That means you're not the leader. He is. He's the leader, not us. And He's saying, Let me lead. Don't justify your control, don't justify your sins. And if He's leading you, folks, if He's leading us, it will be counterculture, it will be counterintuitive. But it, again, will be filled with the greatest joy and peace that you can imagine, the greatest life that we could live. And again, he ends that passage of saying, what does it profit you if you gain the whole world, lose your own soul? And so Jesus is saying, what is your soul worth? What is your soul worth to you? Here's the ultimate truth about this, and I'm going to close it down here. The story of Christianity and redemption and life itself, to get this in a greater way is that it's about Jesus and it's not about us. It's about Jesus, not us. We aren't the center of the story. If that's a burst of your bubble today, I gladly pop it. We're not the center of the story. Jesus is for his glory, for his name. Isn't it cool that we're not the center of the story, yet he loves us and brings us into his story? Where we get vexed, where we get hurt, where we go in pain, where we get disillusioned is that when we make ourselves the center of the story. Our prayers, instead of knowing him, it's all about me. And we have our finger on the walkie-talkie and we're just telling him all about what we need. Instead of getting our eyes on who he is and saying, you are all I need. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray requests and if we have needs, I'm not saying that. But where we get disillusioned is when we make ourselves the center of the story. He does love us deeply and passionately. But it's all for his glory. We're created for his glory. We're created to know him. And then when we understand that, that no matter what happens in this life, whether it's negative or hard or painful, it's all temporary. And we can get a greater understanding of him because he uses it all for his glory to bring us to the end of ourselves so that we can see him in a greater way. Even when we hear stories of tragedy and suffering, and those are so hard. When people get to eternity they have followed Christ, we will see it as almost insignificant. And that's what Paul says. The story is about Jesus alone, all glory and honor and praise. You notice in heaven, in Revelation, when John paints the picture of what's going on in heaven, what are they doing? They're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Who was, who is, who is to come. We have the picture of them, of, of the, the multitudes around the throne that says they cast their crowns. In other words, their deeds and anything good that happened. It was, it was all about you. It was all for you. It was not about me. It wasn't about my name. It wasn't about how good I was or how awesome I am. It was always about you. And the multitude saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain, the lamb of God, Jesus, to receive riches and wisdom and glory and honor all for him it's all for him it's always been about him it will always be about him to the glory and the honor of jesus it points to him it will always point him and i want my life to point to him that's why the end of me is the greatest way to find life because i want my life whatever god does in me and through me to point to christ he loves us but we're not the point Those moments, that moment or the seasons that we come to the end of ourselves bring us the opportunity for him to be glorified at a greater level. And so that is my heart as we unfold these passages and we go through this series. And as we talked about Bill earlier, you know, a lot of us have that story. I remember being some of you guys have heard my story. I won't go into all the details, but when I was 19, I was raised and I went to church all my life, but as a teenager, I became very cynical of, I saw hypocrisy in the church and I saw this and that and didn't realize I was a hypocrite too. And um, But I just became very cynical of the church and cynical and, 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 and just so hard-hearted. And I really could have gone one or two ways and I, I found myself like bill's story i found myself very tired tired of living this way i was i perfected one foot in the church one foot in the world and perfected that not that that's a good perfection don't try to do it it's not a good thing my 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 old self would be resurrected a lot and i had perfected this march but it, it was so tiring was tired of being in control. And I came to a moment where I surrendered my heart and my life to Jesus once and for all. It was the greatest decision I ever made. Not to say that I haven't had that battle after that. Because it's a daily battle. It will always be our battle until we go to heaven. But it was a, sweet, a place of sweet surrender of saying, I just don't want to be in control and And then there, that, so that, that was when I really surrendered my life to, to Christ. But then there are those moments, and we had, I had one of those moments in China when we were over there to get Zai. Many of you guys know this. You were praying for him when we got, the day we got Zai, he was incredibly sick. Coughing, high spiked fever. We're in Lanzhou, China, and I've told people if you're going to get sick, don't let it be there. If you're if you're thinking about that, so we didn't know what to do. He's very sick. He's very ill. In fact, while you guys were are they're they're 13 hours ahead of us. So like right now it's um, it's 20 till 11. There it's 20 till midnight. While you guys were in your Easter service, it was the hardest night because his fever was. We didn't know he was absolutely miserable. And you guys know when you have little kids. We're just getting to know him. We've had him for like two days. We don't know what's going on. His fever is very high. Do we have an emergency room in Lanzhou, China? I don't know. And I'm praying for him. He can't sleep. We're just up, and I'm praying. And, I'm, and, 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 and I, I just, Lord God, you love this boy. Heal him, touch him, minister to him. I don't know what to do for him. And I got frustrated. I had a David moment. I had that moment. Of, God, do you care? Do you love this kid? Because it feels like you're losing right now. That's what David said. It feels like the enemy has the upper hand here. I don't know what to do for him. He he needs a touch from you. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I, I don't know where to turn and I'm desperate. I'm just being real. I was having a very difficult time. And we made it through a couple days later, we were in a hospital in Langeau. That's where I would say, don't get sick. Um, it's very hard. We made it through the night. We had our guide, take us to a hospital. That was very non-American type hospital. Horrible experience. I mean, stuff that you see on movies that you're like, Ugh, yeah, it exists. We're walking, I mean, just all kinds of stuff that's going on and I'm just the whole time, I'm like, God, why do we have to be here? Why do we have to be here? Why do we have to, why can't you just do something? Why, why are we going through this? But it's in those moments where you feel out of control and you just feel, you know, I I would do anything, you know, I, but I can't. There's nothing I can do. I mean, we ended up taking to the hospital, but the, you know those moments where you just like, you throw up your hands and I don't know what to do. And I'd love to say that a shaft of light came and an angel came and the shaft of light and stood beside me and ministered to I'd love to say that happened. That did not happen. Everybody's like, I don't want to hear the rest of the testimony then if... Um, all I can say is just in, 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 in little moments where Jesus becomes real, it's very, it, again, it's, it's a crux. It's like, he doesn't feel like he's there, but I, I know his love and I know deep down, I know he cares, I know he does. And many people have that story of when your loved ones are going through some someone's dying, someone has died. And it's like those people that, why, how does Jesus become real when it seems like he's not there? I don't know. Except it's supernatural and it's very spiritual. But I can say on the other side of that trip that Jesus is more real to me, even in my frustrated heart. And that's what David said. I feels like you're gone. Feels like the enemy has the upper hand. Feels like you're getting beat, God. But yet I would trust in your unfailing love because I know that this life is temporary. I know that this life, as bad as it gets, it's only temporary because one day we will see him face to face. Stories of suffering and pain, stories of hurt, stories of question and confusion, lost loved ones you've been praying for, things that don't make sense. It's a part of our walk, it's a part of our journey. And I think as a church, we can't. there's no need to minimize it or not talk about it. It's real. Many of you have lived through it, walked through it, but here's what I know. That coming to the end of yourself and giving your life to Jesus completely, and again, whether it's first time salvation, whether it's you've been walking with the Lord in just a new way, you need to understand that it is the greatest revelation to know him. That's why Paul said this. He said these light and momentary afflictions. And we're going to unpack that because that is a paradox. Paul can be beaten, imprisoned, left alone, turned on by his friends, turned against him, pushed him away, arrested, shipwrecked, sitting in a prison in the first century, writing these words, these light and momentary afflictions, these temporary things. He said, nothing, these these are light and temporary compared to the glory of knowing you and seeing you. There's nothing like knowing you. God, I know, and this is hard. He didn't minimize the difficulty of it. This is hard, but nothing compares to you. So when did Jesus become real to you? Has he become real to you? Does he need to become real to you in a new way today? What's he doing in your life? What is he bringing you to the end of yourself? What area of control have you refused to let go of? And he's saying, give me that. So that we can die to know him. surrender and know him. And what he's saying is stop living and die so that you can start living. And I want you to, again, ponder the things that Jesus said in these four things. Again, that's why I am left this up here. Because he wants you to be his follower. But what area, and I encourage you to pray through that this week, what area does, he, does is he saying you must give up your own way? What do you need to do? What do you need to do? What is he asking of you? You know it. How can you take up your cross this week? What is he asking of you? What is he speaking to you? And then how can we follow him? Where have you been leading? Because again, sometimes we want Jesus, but we want him to follow us. And he said, "You can't have it both ways. Where do we need to let him lead? I love the, the saying that many people know. It says sometimes... You don't realize that Jesus is all you need until he is all you have. God, may it be so with our hearts. And I'm praying, my prayer for me, I pray my prayer for you is that we don't have to go through horrific things to learn this lesson, that we would humble ourselves. Because that's what the greatest key to the kingdom is to humble ourselves. Say, Lord, I realize my need of you. I realize my need of you. Let it be so. Will you stand with me? Jesus, we love you. Lord, thank you for speaking to our hearts. God, thank you for each person in this room. I encourage you, again, if if you today are making a new commitment to follow him, a new commitment to come to the end of yourself, a new commitment to say, I want to come to the end, end of me so that I can truly live encourage you to tell someone we need each other. We need encouragement. We need accountability. We need to come alongside each other that you would tell someone that says, I am, here's what I'm doing and, and, and allow people to speak in your life. Come alongside people because we can respond to a sermon. We can respond to a message and our hearts can be touched and then we can walk away from here. And then we can go right back into what we were doing. That's where we have to open our hearts and be humble be vulnerable, be transparent, say, God, I need you, and go to someone else and say, I, 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 I'm I, making this commitment today. I want you to walk with me. I want you to pray for me. And so, Jesus, we ask that you speak to our hearts and our lives today. Lord, help us to come to the end of ourselves so that we can truly live in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. God bless you.